from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is John Small, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur Magazine, greenentrepreneur.com. We've got a great guest with us today, a true entrepreneur who has built a very successful company. Zach Ein joins us. He is the founder and CEO of Grassdoor. And Grassdoor is the leading D2C cannabis delivery service in California. They've built apps and proprietary tech platforms that are end-to-end from e-commerce, checkout to the last mile. And they are available to all brands in California. Grassdoor has 450 full-time drivers and 70 websites. So, Zach, we have a lot to talk about in this space. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So, so I just gave a little taste of what Grassdoor does. So I'm sure you have a much more fleshed out version of it. Explain, explain Grassdoor, what the company does and, and the, the problems that you solve. Absolutely. Uh, Grassdoor is a software development company. That's, that's where we were before launching uh, the cannabis delivery solution. And so we started off, you know, from a software perspective, essentially trying to create as much of an automated end-to-end last mile solution as possible. So we started with grassdoor.com, which initially had what we call ASAP delivery. So we launched this essentially 45-minute delivery service in Southern California and realized when we launched that there wasn't much tech amongst uh, the flower t- the flower touching operators and we had quick growth. So for the last three and a half years, we've been essentially in this rapid kind of hockey stick growth business, hiring drivers, trying to get through COVID. And uh, about a year and a half ago, we realized that we had a pretty good control of, of the operation and the last mile delivery and the tech. And we began making our software platform available to brands. So, you know, starting from Lowell Farms and then Kiva, Dosist and others, we, we helped them essentially connect directly to customers with a beautiful e-commerce website. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's, it's a grass store driver uh, that's representing themselves as the brand and a completely branded solution from end to end, uh, allowing these awesome cannabis brands to, uh, to do D2C for the first time in cannabis, get all that user data and essentially execute you know, a flawless delivery powered by, by our infrastructure, our inventory and our drivers. So today, like you mentioned, um, there are some you know, 70 plus websites all powered by Grassdoor. So when the delivery person shows up, a grass store delivery person shows up, how are they representing the brand? Absolutely. Certainly the cars are unmarked, mainly for safety purposes. That driver has an app that almost looks like Uber or Uber Eats or DoorDash. They're packing the order. They're packing it in a branded exit bag from the brand, whether that's a scheduled order in advance or, or actually packed by the driver just in time. Uh, there's even a driver script that the brand can program so that the brand or so that the driver is actually on message and, and reading a script that was provided by the brand. So yeah, it's, it's a completely branded experience. Grassdoor is essentially invisible. Right. And it's invisible on the, on the brand's websites too, right? So it's like, it looks like Lowell Farms is actually delivering your product rather than Grassdoor. Absolutely. And we started off by you know getting these brands one at a time, giving the brands the data of these customers. We're handling all the opt-in, TCPA, CCPA, privacy, all that stuff. So we're taking care of that and essentially giving this you know, amazing data back to the brands. Like I mentioned, it started with the brands and now we're even powering marketplaces. So there are you know, many websites in the industry that historically sent traffic 
to operators or brands or retail sites like Grassdoor or Ease. And now for the first time, they're actually keeping the traffic on their own sites and letting customers transact and check out. Uh, all powered by Grassdoor's licenses and infrastructure. So is that your the difference, the real big difference between you and some of your competitors like Ease um, in California that are other delivery services, that you have this back-end infrastructure and technology that you offer brands that can live on their properties? Yeah, so Ease is the closest thing to our infrastructure, which is essentially a network of hubs. Uh, in our case, they're all commercial warehouses with pallet racks and you know full commercial warehouses. These aren't small dispensaries with retail staff. These are commercial warehouses that are packing the orders, you know, labeling everything. And so Ease was the only one that you know, had a similar network of hubs, but they don't make that available to other retailers, brands, delivery services. Uh, so yes, Grassdoor, in my opinion, is the only you know, licensed operator that's making their infrastructure available to other parties to tap into. Tell us a little bit about your origin story. How did you get into this space? I mean, nobody starts off in the cannabis space, so you must have been doing something before, before unless they were in the illicit market. So you must have been doing something before uh, you started Grassdoor. Tell us a little bit about that and then why you decided to start Grassdoor. Sure. My, my old background was actually doing private label manufacturing for large retailers and brands like HP, Dell, Walmart, Best Buy. And that was a long time ago. But uh, between then and now, we actually opened uh, a software development office about 10 years ago with my former CTO of uh, the private label manufacturing business. He recruited his brother. So I'm partners with these two brothers, Abhishek and Abik. About seven years ago or so, we, we opened an office in Goa, India and started doing software development for clients. So that's where this was born out of. We were already you know, engineering and building compli- complicated business tools, mobile apps, real-time communication uh, tools, uh, and decided to build you know, the ultimate cannabis delivery platform four years ago or so. Right, but it went from software to actual like physical cars delivering cannabis. So how, that must have been a big jump for you. Yeah, no, I actually had no intention of operating uh, a flower-touching retailer. In July of 2018, the regs were revised and said that there is no profit sharing between a tech company and a license-holding retailer. And so we realized that we actually needed to be the retailer of record, have a license in order to do this uh, fast, you know, or backtracking, you know, a year before that, there was Ease, which tried to do this without licenses and without holding inventory. And so that was our plan too, coincidentally. And we had the same idea and realized that wasn't going to work. And we actually had to get a license and become a retailer if we wanted this thing to work. So it actually took us a full additional year. And we got our first license in the city of Commerce in August of 19. So in August of 19, we became a retailer with our own inventory. And yeah, since then, we've just continued to grow. And and now we have a large warehouse in Los Angeles, a large warehouse in the Bay Area with several more, you know, essentially opening in the next few months. So you guys are sort of like an Amazon meets Uber delivery service, right? And you were apparently the first driver ever from Crash. Tell us about that. What was that like from software developer to cannabis delivery driver? Yeah, no, it all happened fast. It was, uh, it was a strange time in retrospect. We actually hired a few drivers uh, at the same time, but couldn't keep them busy. You know, that first day, right, you launch and you think the world's going to come and start placing orders, but but nobody actually knows about you, right? So those first few days, the orders were just too sporadic to actually employ drivers. So we, we ended up letting you know the first few drivers go. And it was just me waiting for orders to, to pop in a, a few a day those first couple of months. And uh, yeah, I found myself 
delivering cannabis throughout LA. I'd be hanging out with a friend and jump in my car and have to drive to West Hollywood to, to do a delivery. So it was definitely interesting times. What were some of your early clients like? I mean, did it surprise you who was ordering it? I'd say what was surprising is how happy everyone was when you make a delivery. Not like getting food or the Amazon you know, or USPS delivery. You're delivering, I say, happiness. I mean, these customers, for the most part, are so thankful. They're so happy that someone delivered them fresh cannabis products from all the top brands. So that was the exciting thing was how it was very rewarding, right? Each person you delivered to was happier than the next. And it was very sticky. You know, we realized that these customers tended to order twice a month, you know, spending a couple hundred dollars per month, month after month after month. And as long as we could deliver reliably and had fresh products and the top brands, it was pretty clear that there was product market fit. Do people tip more than usual? I wouldn't say that. I don't think that we're satisfied or that tipping is, you know, more than you would find in a restaurant or- Right. I just wonder because people are so excited to see you. They're like, oh my God. I think payment solutions, you know, is probably the problem there. There really isn't a way to, to just make it seamless, you know, with credit card tipping, right? We don't have credit cards in this industry. So- so it's oftentimes cash or ACH, and it's a little bit difficult to to actually take tips. So it's there's. So is it? Are you accepting right now the way the business works? Is it cash transactions? How is like? Are the drivers driving around with cash? Because I know that can be very dangerous. So how do you guys protect your drivers and your money? <laughs> how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's essentially the, the solutions that exist are debit, ACH, and cash. Pretty much the solutions that all of the operators you know have. To work with the inventory is actually a bigger risk than the cash. They have significantly more inventory oftentimes than they do cash. And so, yes, this entire business over the last three years has been essentially revolving around keeping drivers safe and making sure that you can you can operate a cannabis delivery business at scale. And so, there's dozens of features kind of built into GrassDoor.com that try to eliminate fraud and, and bad actors, and then a lot of features to just try to make the drivers more comfortable. You know, we're pretty confident through the the ways we're we're approving new customers and checking IDs and selfies and, and whatnot that it's, it's a safe transaction. But being in the car, pulling up to an unknown address, you know, in downtown LA at, at 9 p.m., it's not for everybody. That's for sure. In some ways, I think it's better that the grass store is probably not on the cars. Right, makes you a target. Definitely discreet. But you know, we we try to give all of the data and information we possibly can to the driver his or herself. So they're seeing the history of every driver and every delivery at that address that's, you know, before then every previous order from that customer. And, you know, on a first time delivery for a new customer, we're extremely careful. But if it's the 50th order and you can read the the 50 driver comments before, and you know, it's, it's a good person, uh, you can loosen up and, you know, roll down the window all the way and, and, and have a conversation. But those first few deliveries were extremely careful. Let's talk about, because so you said in the beginning, the phone wasn't exactly ringing off the hook and you had to actually let go of drivers and you were doing it for yourself, but obviously the business grew. So what, what do you uh, attribute that growth to? Like what were some of the steps you guys made that were, that helped you grow? I think that we're the mo- we're known as being the most reliable. So in the, in the first year, we actually aimed for 30 minute deliveries, which is pretty insane and costly. If you're going to do 30 minute deliveries, you pretty much always have drivers just idly waiting. Today, we're, we're, we're aiming for 45 minute deliveries. And then we also have scheduled orders, which typically have a 90 minute delivery window that the customer is choosing. But it was really reliability. I forgot where I read it or watched it, but what people tend to look for, you know, I hate to use the word in their drug dealer, in this case, their, their, medicine, their medicine dealer, is reliability. 
think that the idea of waiting around two, three, four hours for cannabis delivery means you have a lot of free time on your hands. And I don't think most people do. I think that if it's going to be two, three, four hours, you could probably, especially in Los Angeles or anywhere in California or most of the big metros, drive not very far and find a dispensary if you live in LA or San Francisco. So when it's that easy and there's that many dispensaries and you're trying to, to build the delivery business, it's it, it requires just reliability, just fast, fast deliveries uh, that the orders are delivered complete you know, every time. And there's just going to be no doubt or mystery that you're going to get your order. And I don't think other operators took it as seriously. You know, we've had times where drivers will, will drive back to the hub at the end of the shift and actually not see the order that was on their app. And so now there's nobody, you know, in the area to go and make that delivery. And we'll, we'll send a driver, no, no matter how far it is, or how much it's going to cost us, we make sure every order is filled and filled completely and hopefully in 45 minutes. And I think that's what separated Grassdoor and allowed us to grow. Yeah, I mean, it's a tall order that you've set up for yourself because California is a big state and there are definitely in California certain sections of the state where cannabis, there are not dispensaries allowed, these so-called pot deserts, right? And so you even service those areas. That must be a little tricky to get to some of those areas in 45 minutes. Yeah, so the way we operate is our drivers pick up their inventory uh, at the hub at the start of the shift. It'll be a kit of inventory that populates a menu. So no matter where that driver is, the menu is reflecting, you know, the local drivers in that in that area and their inventory in their vehicles. And then we also have scheduled orders, which are pre-packed at the warehouse. So the driver takes out this kit as well as the scheduled order, uh, scheduled orders, and they can drive as far as 100 miles in every direction. So we start in commerce, drive 100 miles in every direction, and the drivers will stay in that area for the entire shift. So for a cannabis desert that's 100 miles away, that driver might be driving an hour and a half each direction, which means they're only in, the, in that zone for five or six hours doing deliveries. So that's how we cover you know, those cannabis deserts. Yeah, it's about 100, 110 miles in every direction from both Commerce and now you know, our hub in, in the SF area. But yes, there's certain areas that are more than 110 miles away. So those are the remaining hubs that we need to open, uh, which is Fresno, Sacramento. And we should have those open shortly. What are some of the biggest challenges a company like yours faces? I would imagine that that's one of them, what we just talked about, just servicing areas that are really remote like that. But what are some of the other things that you guys face that you've, you've had to overcome over the years? I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of, of challenges in campus, and certainly the tax structure of things is the hardest thing to overcome. You know, we're, yeah, I don't know how much your audience wants to get into to this, to 280E and, and taxes, but taxes is certainly the biggest uh, obstacle. You know, I'd say next coming to mind is just managing hundreds and hundreds of employees in California in a state with a plaintiff's bar and, and attorneys uh, looking for every opportunity uh, to send you, you know, some sort of complaint or, or lawsuit. So I think the combination of California and just having this many employees, certainly challenging. And then the other thing that comes to mind is COVID. So when COVID first uh, started, I think many operators were just trying to keep their employees healthy and safe and their customers safe and just keep the lights on. But we actually decided to kind of lean into it. We saw that there was going to be increased demand for cannabis delivery, and we decided to to lean into it and and hire as many drivers as we possibly could. And then we have seen these waves of of hiring challenges where people are sitting back, certainly enjoying or or taking advantage of some of the subsidies from the state and a little less motivated to work, certainly a a driving job like, like cannabis delivery. And so it's been difficult at times to hire drivers. It's been easier at other times. So just trying to keep that supply and demand balance 
of drivers and orders so that uh, we just have the right number of people on the road, right number of employees, we can handle the growth. And so there's just these kind of lulls and then accelerations of demand. Also, the actual ordering habits of customers have changed several times during COVID. Before COVID, it was a huge rush at the end of the day between kind of 4 and 6 p.m. During COVID, it was much more balanced throughout the day because people weren't commuting home from work. So we've had to adjust to those types of uh, trends as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. I would imagine, yeah, that you are up against two hurdles here just currently. One is the price of gas, right? So now suddenly it's twice as expensive as it was even five months ago or six months ago, right? To drive these cars. And then this kind of the great resignation that's happening, right? Although that might be a boon to you guys. Well, let's first talk about gas and how you've had to work around that. But then I'm also interested in whether you see an increase in the amount of people doing being interested in doing this job because it might give them more flexible hours, et cetera, um, than these kind of jobs, these kind of full-time jobs that people were quitting in mass. Yeah. I mean, in general, this is a much better gig for drivers than, than an Uber or a Lyft, right? These are full-time W2 drivers with benefits, performance incentive bonuses. They get their tips, they get the maximum vehicle reimbursements according to the IRS. And so I would say that ride-sharing companies have struggled to retain people. And this is much better than that from a comp perspective. So it, it has come in waves. It's been more difficult at times. I would say that in 2022, it got easier. I think a lot of people had to go back to work following kind of the beginning of the year. So right now we actually have plenty of drivers. That's not our current challenge. There's just a lot of noise. There's been a race to the bottom. You know, we've seen the price of cannabis at the pound level, you know, essentially drop in half, you know, over the last one year. And so there's a, a lot of moving pieces here. Right. What are the challenges and the costs for your clients, for the, not for your customers uh, that get delivery, but for your, for the brands that you work with and how does what you offer them make sense uh, for them financially? I think that the trend you're going to see next in cannabis is the following three years ago, a lot of people had the crazy idea of getting a cannabis delivery license. I think there's three or 400 operators in California. I think that the retailers all thought that they should be delivering as well. And and ultimately brands had that idea too, because there's the the way the licensing works and micro business licenses, essentially anyone that has a cannabis license has a pretty good opportunity to get a delivery license. And you wouldn't see that in any other industry. You know, Nike is not doing its own last mile, right? It's tapping into USPS, FedEx, UPS, And that's the case in all industries across all brands and retailers, Nordstrom or any, you know, any big retailers not actually employing their own drivers. But this idea that, you know, these cannabis companies should be managing the last mile themselves, it was just commonplace. That was what the operators in cannabis thought they were supposed to do. But they're sort of doing everything themselves anyway, right? That sort of seat to sell mentality, the vertical. Yeah, exactly. And, and so they all, they all jumped into it. And at the end of the day, delivery and, and last mile is technology, it's extremely specific skill set. And whether you know, if you're operating a brick and mortar store in San Diego or, or wherever, doesn't mean you have the technology infrastructure and skill set to do last mile delivery at scale. And so I think the next big trend is that pretty much every company in cannabis is going to realize that they can't do it all. And if they're going to eliminate one of the things they do, it's going to be eliminating the least profitable thing and the most difficult thing, which is last mile. And so I don't think anybody these days, right now in 2022, April, is thinking about doing last mile themselves. I think that the investors behind these companies are going to be kind of slapping the CEO or the, or the management team of these companies saying, what are you thinking? 
uh, trying to run last mile. And I think that right now, Grassdoor is the only company that is making its infrastructure tech and skill set available to everyone. And I think you're going to just see Grassdoor become the last mile of California cannabis and hopefully outside of California soon. And that, that's a big change. I don't think retailers should be doing it. I don't think anyone should be trying to do last mile in cannabis. So that's the opportunity for grass stores to essentially become everybody's last mile partner. And you believe that what you're doing really stymies the growth of the unregulated operators, right? The, the so-called illicit market, black market. My personal view there is that a lot of people are comfortable buying flour uh, from the illicit market, but I don't think very many people are comfortable buying vape pens, edibles, or any sort of manufactured good. And so I think that's the best hope the industry has to eliminate the black market is to grow these other product categories where you know, you're not going to see much competition from the black market. But if flour becomes, you know, or remains the, the main category, I think flour poses a problem. I think that consumers are smart enough to know that the flour they're being offered from, you know, their friend is probably just fine. And they don't see much risk there. So I think that's the best hope we have is these other categories. And even if you just want to add it to your order, you like flour, but you like to get a vape cart with your order or a concentrate or an edible. I, I don't think people are comfortable from the black, you know, buying those products in the black market. That's really interesting. Any thoughts of expanding your model beyond the state of California? Of course. You no, know, Grassdoor uh, has every, every, plan to to do this across the country. Right now, the delivery laws in pretty much every other state aren't ideal for the model. Uh, there are a few states that are okay to do what we, you know, the regs are somewhat compatible with our model. But our feeling is we don't need to be first. Uh, capital is so precious right now uh, in the industry, particularly in California, that you have to make sure you spend every dollar extremely carefully. And uh, I don't think this is the moment to rush into states where the regs aren't ready. But uh, certainly we have every plan to do that as soon as the regs are more, are more mature in some of these other states. Interesting. Well, what an interesting business model you have. What can advice do you give to other entrepreneurs like yourself, maybe software developers or people who are in the tech world about this business? I mean, they might be listening to this and being like, man, that sounds hard. <laughs> but is this, and a lot of times when I talk to CEOs that have um, cannabis companies, they say this is the hardest thing they've ever done. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that it, this is a, what advice do you give to people trying to get into the business? Into this business? I think when we started three and a half years ago, four years ago, I think most of the attorneys that, you know, we consulted, everyone was very supportive, you know, that why wouldn't you do this? I don't think anyone's giving the advice these days to jump into cannabis delivery. So I think that each of us in the industry, all operators, whether you're a brand, cultivator, testing facility, distributor, retailer, uh, we all have our challenges. But I don't believe that anybody in their right mind uh, is currently telling people that it's a good idea to jump into cannabis delivery. So yes, we are here and it's way more challenging than we ever imagined. But because we have 85 engineers, we're able to essentially code our way, you know, through these challenges, through the, the reg, you know, reg complexities and whatnot, uh, that we're in a position to do it. I would say you need a lot of uh, tech talent and you, know, you have to have the appetite to, to manage, you know, hundreds or thousands of warehouse employees and drivers. In general, looking at cannabis, I still think it's early days. I don't think that it's the most competitive or that it's the best in class operators. That's not my view. I think that there's absolutely an opportunity to jump into this industry do a great job and, and carve out carve out a business for yourself. But it's just early days. It's super frustrating because the regs change and every state is essentially like running a business in a different country. A lot 
of venture-backed businesses, businesses in general, the idea is that you can scale, right? And that you can create a business model and then copy and paste it throughout the world or across the country. And here, the copy and paste you know, doesn't really exist. Hopefully, you know, in 10 years, the regs are more standardized across, across the markets. But right now, it's, you're literally building unique kind of businesses in each of the markets. And um, yeah, there's just a million ways to go wrong. Uh, so I think Grassdoor has been focused. You know, one thing I, I like to say is almost every big operator is paying rent, you know, on various buildings or, or locations that they don't even use. It's just been kind of commonplace. Everyone's rushing to get these licenses and they're, they're getting ready to operate in all these different markets, but they're not actually operating yet. You know, Grassdoor has never paid rent on a building that we didn't use. You know, we're only getting the infrastructure pieces that we need for the next step. And uh, I do think there'll be an opportunity for us to get licenses in these very competitive states, you know, like Florida or Illinois. But yeah, it's a drawback that we don't have the licensing infrastructure or licensing footprint across the country yet. But at the same time, those footprints are very expensive to maintain. Uh, so we're, we're more just in time, you know, essentially to get to get the licenses we need for you know, each step of, of the process. Well, this has been great. Zach, if people want to find out more about Grassdoor, where should they go? They can go to grassdoor.com. They can email me, Zach at Grassdoor, Z-A-C-K at grassdoor.com. I pretty much have meetings all day long talking to, you know, whether it's the brands, marketplaces, our competitors. This is all I do. All I think about is running a cannabis delivery company in California and pretty pretty transparent with what I've learned and, and happy to help, you know, anybody that, that wants to set up a call with me. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, head on over to greenentrepreneur.com for the latest cannabis and CBD news, thoughtful essays, tips, and insider tricks on how to succeed in the cannabis business, all that good stuff. And hey, if you like this podcast, do me a huge solid and go to wherever you may listen to your podcast and please rate and review our podcast. It does wonders for the algorithm, helps others find the podcast. Would so appreciate a review and a rating. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.